0: Hello and welcome to the Chronicles of Nannya, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking about male nannies and we're going to be talking to a male nanny. Hello, Parker.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: welcome. How are you? I'm
1: great. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing really, really well. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, Parker, let's get started by having you introduce yourself and do a little bit of background about you. Sure.
1: Um, My name is Parker Guidry. I'm originally from Lafayette, Louisiana. I am going to be 25 pretty soon. Woo. Um, Yeah. Um, I started babysitting when i was around 12 or 13. i essentially did it because i wanted to prove to my mom that i could stay home alone without a babysitter myself with me and my sister that's so great. i signed up for a babysitting class at the local women's and children's hospital um
0: i signed up for a babysitting class at the ymca yeah
1: <laughs> um to like say hey i can I can take care of me and my sister in Madison. taking this seriously. Yeah. um, You can trust me. And so I did that and I babysat a little when I was in, you know, high school. I did a lot of like camp counseling and things like that. Um, And then when I moved to Chicago for school, I studied musical theater at Roosevelt University. I moved here in 2010. And... I was trying to find a job that was conducive to being a student and I ended up finding this woman who just needed someone to walk her daughter to and from school um, and then also help her around the house because she was pregnant and she was a high risk pregnancy so she couldn't run a lot of her own errands because it was this one summer that was super super hot and she was like such high risk that she couldn't even go outside when it reached a certain degree. It was very interesting. That but, is interesting. Yeah, so I started with that. Um, I was her assistant for... four or five years.
0: Wow. mm
1: mm-hmm. um, I was there for the birth of her second daughter, and she also ran an in-home daycare. Mm. So she... At any given time, we had anywhere between three to six extra kids... Um, once I graduated, I worked with her a little more and stayed around the house and helped with the kids while she would do things like cook meals or anything like that. Clean would, like, a room, yeah. Sanitize. Mm-hmm. I've uh, also worked in the kids club at different gyms mm-hmm. across Chicago. <laughs> um, most recently, I had my I got my first full time nanny job in 2014 mm-hmm. I stayed with that family for about two years right now I'm covering for Taryn Pryor who you've recently heard on this podcast oh yes um, she was great and then what's up next is to be determined right we'll see what happens
0: yeah. Awesome. Well, that's great. And so I'm sure through uh the in-home daycare and then also through working at Gems you have a lot of experience with a ton of different types of children and ages and Mhm. Um,
1: um especially in the daycare we it was an in-home daycare and because the laws in Illinois are only very specific once you reach a certain number of kids. Huh. We we kept underneath those kit underneath that number, so there was no really regulations as far as how old we could take them mm. or things like that. So we had kids at two and we had kids starting at two and three months old.
0: Wow! Yeah. So
1: anytime someone's like, "Do you have infant experience?" I'm like, "Oh, absolutely!
0: <laughs> I have so much
1: straight out the womb." Um, <laughs> so. And I, we did. We had twins. We had this little boy who only spoke French
0: for a while. Oh, wow. Um,
1: yeah, so I've had a, a lot of different... And then working at the gym, I we had anywhere from three-month-old children all the way up to 10 years old. So sometimes I would have no kids in a day. Sometimes I would have six kids in a day. I feel like I remember one day where I had a bunch of... Infants in strollers, and they were all napping. And so I was just sitting there in the kids club with several different strollers, waiting for just one of them to wake up because I knew the second one of them would wake up, the rest of them would start waking up.
0: Yeah, you're like kind of comfort you really quickly. <laughs> and,
1: the, and the thing about it, i worked at a gym that had uh, a camera oh. in the kids club so that parents could watch watch you on the treadmill and things like that. Weird. Yeah, it was very strange. And so one of the moms was, once the kids all woke up, I was, I kind of like kept them in their their strollers because when you don't work so intimately with the families and it's just like they drop them off for an hour or so. Right. Some of them you don't really get to know, so you don't know what their temperaments are, whether they even, some parents don't want their kids, their baby babies out of the strollers. Right. So I just kind of kept them all in their stroller and entertained them. Each individually, like, in short bursts <laughs> of time. And one of the moms was like, oh, it was really great to watch you just, like, run between each and every stroller. And I was like, that's awesome. Thanks. I appreciate you just watching me struggle while through that. You,
0: <laughs> watching me get my workout, taking care mm-hmm. of your children while you got your workout. It's true. Um. Well, wonderful. Um. So, as you worked uh, in all these different capacities... Um, I'm sure that it was colored or your experiences were colored by being a male. Mm-hmm. Um, and so something that I would love because it is, from the research that I've done, it seems like only 10% of people in especially um, infant and toddler childcare only 10% are male mm-hmm. at this point. And that's actually gone up mm-hmm. over the past few years. Yeah, um, yay, exactly. <laughs> um, but, and it, you, yeah, it used to be way, way less. I think it was like 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it, there aren't as many men in this field, um, what what kind of obstacles have you run into as you have made your way through childcare as a yeah. man? Yeah, I feel like
1: honestly, the biggest obstacles or challenges that I've had in regards to that don't really stem from the fact that I'm a man. But they come from the perceived challenges of men in the domestic sphere as yes. far as raising children. Um, when I was first looking for a nannying job, I decided I wanted to be a full-time nanny. I had, had plenty of childcare experience in several different part-time areas, but not necessarily as a full-time nanny. So I was really trying to break into that. Um... I was on Care.com, I was on Sitter City, and none of that was working for me. I was getting no hits, I was barely getting any responses. Um so I joined three different, I think, nannying agencies. Oh wow. And couldn't get a single interview. Wow. Because
0: like uh with families, with not families. with the agency. Not with once, the agency. Okay, but great. once
1: I w- I would meet, you know, the people with the agency and they'd say, Oh, you're great, you're fantastic. We'll find you someone. Um, and parents wouldn't even give me an interview because I was a male. One of them even specifically said what, what kind of the straw that broke the camel's back was one of my agents finally came up to me and said, you know, I pitched you to this family. They really liked several different aspects of you. But at the end of the day, the dad said he didn't want the, he didn't want to be replaced as the number one male influence in the children's lives oh i thought woman. i thought that was very interesting because how is it different from you know if a woman if a female nanny doesn't take the place of the mother
0: right as the which key female don't.
1: role which they don't which they don't um why does a male nanny inherently do that it's so it was very frustrating eventually i found i started looking on craigslist i started looking on my own i submitted my resume to um this family that I took care of for nearly two years uh five she's now five at the time she was three I submitted my resume for them and they didn't know I was a boy until I walked in the door because Parker is such a you know it's a name that's pretty unisex Mm -hmm. so and they said they stalked me on Facebook but um my Facebook profile at the time had me and a classmate of mine from our graduation who was a girl. Oh, so they assumed it was my roommate, the girl who's was my roommate. Um, that's so
0: funny. So when
1: I walked in the door, they were like, oh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> and then, of course, that's all it took, you know. Um, right. I find that I have a, a very warm presence and I'm very good with kids. So once they saw me interact with their kids, they were like, oh, yeah, you're perfect. You'll you'll yeah. do great. Um. But it was, it's funny how just like, just getting a foot in the door right. was tough. Um,
0: and yeah, I mean, without those factors, like, that was such a fortunate series of events. Right. Um, that It turned out that way. And I'm glad that it did, because uh, Parker is also part of the playgroup that we have. Um, right. With Leah and Taryn. And Parker, so I have seen him interact with uh, the kids that he has nannied, and he is so wonderful with them. In fact, I told a story uh, with Taryn about when uh, one when the older girl was um, taking a toy away. And you said if you do it one more time, we're gonna to have to leave. And you h- stuck to it. And
1: oh, it, you were there for that day. I was there that for was that a, day. Oh, that was so weird. That was the first time she had ever done anything like that. And I was heartbroken because we've never had right. to leave a play group, a, a play day before. That was the day.
0: Yeah. Um, I got there right as you were leaving. That's
1: right. I remember that. Yeah. Now that you say that. mm Hmm. Um. No. Yeah. But yeah. That's that's kind of another thing that I feel colors being a male nanny is is men are tend to be seen as like stricter and more dominant and so I find a lot of times when I set boundaries with kids and their parents witness me upholding those boundaries they'll intervene as if it's too strict right um
0: which you're like no that's just where i've seen good it good childcare
1: where, where i've right where i've witnessed it <laughs> in perhaps other people with female nannies and that not be the case right yeah um
0: though i will say i have had that happen oh i'm sure everyone has too. you know yeah.
1: some some things it's like is this just a male nanny thing or is it just a nanny thing right um I have no experience being a female nanny.
0: Nope, and I have no experience being a male nanny. So that's why we're here today, folks.
1: <laughs> um,
0: Open communication—it's <laughs> key.
1: There are also a, a couple other things when I when I sat down and thought about you know what are the what are the challenges of being a male nanny that I specifically realized is um, unfortunately we live in a world where men are more readily perceived as sexual predators. Yes. And so there are certain things that I've come to learn, whether we are at a park or in a music class or in some other sort of environment where kids and their guardians are all intermixed and mingled and there are a bunch of there are a bunch of kids that you don't know personally um, that are less appropriate for men to do than women. Um, for instance, I can't really let, or I, I choose not to let a child that I don't know sit in my lap or I won't give them a hug. Right. Um, where I feel like people look at a child doing that to a woman and really don't think a whole lot of it, but it is very different for a man. Yes. Um, And another thing is, is I know a lot of nannies who do have an issue with this, but both, both male and female.
0: Right. Regardless of gender.
1: Um, anytime I hug, anytime I do hug a child, I, I get down on their level to decrease the risk of their face being in, in my crotch.
0: Right. Yes.
1: Um, which I know a lot of people say, a lot of nannies say that like, that's a personal issue for them. And for me, I've noticed it's more uncomfortable for people who witness that happening. Right. Because men are seen as the more predatory mm-hmm. sex, if you will. And so anything mildly or possibly perceived as sexual runs a higher risk of being perceived as such. So I just have to be careful with that. Right. Other than that, I think it's, it's more trivial things like mm-hmm. people... 100% always assume that I'm there that I'm the chis- children's dad right Because
0: why would you be with them if you didn't have to be right I said um, that very sarcastically for yeah. our
1: listeners <laughs> she rolled her eyes and everything I, <laughs> I did I also I there's like one little story that I have where I always believe in once the kids get to the age where they can decide whatever they want to wear I'll let them wear it mm-hmm. I'll sit there they can be just learning to talk and I'll hold them up in front of their, you know, closet of clothes and be like, pick out what shirt you want to wear, pick out what shorts you want to wear. Right. Um, Just cause I like inspiring that level of independence in children. Um, And so even if they pick out an outfit that totally does not work, I'll put it on them. And so several times I've brought kids, you know, out and about in whatever outfit they choose to wear. And if it, if it's not quite an outfit that works, I'll get these, like, smirks or, you know, looks right. from, from other people. And people have even said, like, are you Mr. Mom today? Or, like, you know, did Daddy help you get dressed today? And I'm like, mm,
0: actually, no. they pick them out themselves. Yeah. And I'm not their dad. Right.
1: I am their caretaker. I'm their nanny. Right. Um,
0: that's That's so interesting.
1: Yeah. The number one thing, though, is... Um, bathroom time. Mm-hmm. I guess mostly I've taken care of girls, mm-hmm. so either they want to go to the bathroom by themselves, so I can't go into the bathroom with them, right? Or they want me to go with them, but they don't want to go in the boys' bathroom.
0: Oh, yeah. And if there's not a family bathroom, if
1: there's not a family bathroom, a lot of luckily, a lot of places, particularly in Chicago, that are child-oriented places have family bathrooms you right. can change into, you know the zoo or the nature museum or any sort of like children's playhouse but several of them don't
0: or if you go out to lunch that's where i have found Mm -hmm. that to be the biggest issue
1: yeah and what's funny is a lot of corporate places will have either family bathrooms or at least like changing tables in Mm -hmm. in men's bathrooms it's a lot of local places that don't have those kind of amenities but i've run into that a couple of times also just changing stations in male bathrooms in general
0: right which President Obama
1: right just and like thank passed goodness a law.
0: so can you talk about that because I actually don't know as much I heard from you the mm-hmm. other day
1: so he has I believe it's an executive order don't quote me on that okay but um they're passing legislation that requires all public buildings to have changing stations in In every single bathroom that they have. Great. Be it male, female, family bathroom, whatever. Which is great. It is. Because I have several times gone into men's restrooms that just don't have a changing station. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing if a kid has just, you know, urinated in their diaper and maybe can hold out for a little bit. Right. But if it's an emergency... Mm-hmm. and all kids have emergencies they do. <laughs> um and
0: especially if you're eating, yeah, and it's an mm-hmm. emergency you don't want yeah. it ruins everything.
1: <laughs> it can get it can get pretty dire in those situations, <laughs> if you will. that's that's kind of been, I guess if anything if there are any problems that arise from specifically being my gender as a as a child care taker, as a nanny, it would be. Changing stations in, in public bathrooms. This one time, we took them to brunch at Bacon and Eggs mm-hmm. on Lincoln Avenue. They love the place. We've gone several times. Never had an issue where we absolutely needed a diaper changed immediately. Well, we had one. And I walk into the men's bathroom. And not only does it not have a changing room, but it's tiny. Oh, It's like one stall and one urinal and a sink and that's it there's not even the sad part about the thing that i worry about um this new law being enacted is that some bathrooms just don't have the space right because of gender norms uh-huh are so integrated into our society that they even dictate how our buildings are built right and men's bathrooms are inherently smaller than women's bathrooms more often than not I know this because I've had to go into several women's bathrooms just to change a diaper. (laughs) Um.
0: (laughs) You've seen our secrets. Yes, I know. I know. (laughs) That we get more space. (laughs) Sometimes just nicer restrooms.
1: Exactly. Obviously, these are things that we have to change on a society level before we even change on any other level. But I digress. (laughs) Um, I had to take the child into the bathroom to change his diaper and I couldn't do it in the men's restroom and I I wasn't about to do it you know out on a table or out on a chair in a restaurant it wasn't gonna happen so I you know hailed over a manager and asked her to check the women's bathroom to make sure no one was in there she looked in we waited for the women that were in there to finish and I asked her to hang out outside of the women's bathroom so that I could change him, and we could walk out. So no women walked in. Right,
0: and we're like, wait, what? And we're like,
1: what's going on? Um, unfortunately, that's exactly what happened.
0: <laughs> oh no! Because
1: whoever was manager either didn't notice this woman walking in or just left. Um, and this woman walked in and started like, "What are you doing? This is a women's restroom." Blah, 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 and started, you know freaking out a little bit and I was like ma'am I'm sorry I just had to change his diaper I'm almost done I'll be right out and then I think she she realized what was happening and saw him and just kind of like stormed out in a big grumble 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 yeah, grumble. yeah. <laughs> that's something that's happened to me on a number of occasions Right. Um. that's probably the worst it's ever been but that level of confrontation wouldn't be necessary or even an option if it weren't for the fact that We live in a world where taking care of children is so much the woman's responsibility that we don't even think of putting changing tables in men's, uh, I almost said dressing rooms, in men's restrooms.
0: Right. I haven't even thought about that until I sat down to think about this episode. And it is such a, a huge problem and so easily solved or potentially easily solved. I know at first it will take millions of dollars overall but Mm -hmm. once we solve it it yeah (laughs) it's easy to put them in Mm -hmm.
1: so that'll be nice easy to put them in i worry that like i said some bathrooms are just not big enough but we'll see we'll see i appreciate the step forward
0: yes well Um, in the same i mean it's it's a similar problem i think and there will be some grandfathering in to uh to handicap stalls and things like that. Agreed. Of, of there are buildings that just don't can't mm-hmm. accommodate that. Um, the way that they are built now, it would have to be a complete overhaul. Um, I think a changing table can more easily maybe fit like on a door and come down or something, Absolutely. but it will take a lot of time, but I, I hope that it is a first step in the right direction. Right. Cause uh, for yes. male nannies but also for dads. Dads
1: change diapers too.
0: Exactly. We're think, setting them up for failure by not accommodating
1: I think that event actually sparked my like very first feminist rant on Facebook. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> That's oh. great.
0: Um but speaking of like cultural um norms or cultural I I feel like
1: like heteronormativity and yeah, gender roles and gender roles like that. and
0: things like that but also with the kids and I I feel like a big thing that I have um seen as I've been reading about male nannies because I always research before episodes mm-hmm. um is the the desire either when people do want a male nanny it's the desire to have a male influence in the life of the child. Um, one article that I read was written by two, um, a a lesbian couple who had adopted a child and they particularly wanted a male nanny because they wanted a male influence in their child's life. Hmm. Um, that they knew that they weren't necessarily going to provide. Um, and so, uh, And I worked uh, as an associate director of a theater camp. And I know that we always tried to hire um, pretty much 50-50. And because we wanted children to see that strong men could be in theater. Because in education, a lot of times uh, children don't see men until high school.
1: I think... My first male teacher was when I was in seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. And then once I got to high school I I had a few male teachers. But yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, he's a he's a guy. That's weird. We don't normally get guys. He was the first male teacher at my school ever. Right. Um which
0: is yeah. My first male teacher was in sixth grade, so mm-hmm. and that was at a Montessori school.
1: Um but I think it's important. I think We learn skills like math and English and science and history from anyone. Right. But we learn humanity and being a person in society by interacting with people who are different from us. Right. Who think differently or maybe look differently. And so I think that goes across the board from just gender to any form of identity, be it race or religion or gender or Socioeconomic
0: background. Exactly.
1: It's counterproductive to say, to tell children that they can be whatever they want to be. Right. But then make the rest of the world fit inside a box.
0: Yes. Very well put.
1: If we're telling girls that they can be president one day, which we're finding out more and more is possible, but all the grown women that they know are educators or je- or nurses or assistants or secretaries or stay-at-home moms, then that's all they'll ever think they can be. Right. Until they grow up and see that that's not the case. But by then, they'll have been a formed adult. Right. And um, it's
0: it's much more entrenched once you... Have it your entire childhood.
1: <laughs> right. And likewise, we have boys growing up who will spend all day with several different women and not understand their role as men in society. Right. Until they're out there and they're grown. hmm So I think it's important for both men and women to see both men and women in every sphere of their daily lives.
0: Right. Yes, I completely agree. And I I also um, kind of fell down the rabbit hole of articles, but I did read this article about um, the 90s and television in the 90s and how damaging father figures of 90s sitcoms were to – Yes. To the perception of men in child care. The
1: stereotype of like the deadbeat dad or the unpresent dad.
0: Or the bumbling, like just mm-hmm. can't do anything right ever. Well, the
1: idea of Mr. Mom right. as a whole. um, Categorizing mom as specifically the role that takes care of the kids and is yes. in charge of that. And it's not, you know, when dad has to take over in, in that realm, it's not dad, it's Mr. Mom. Right. Yeah, that whole idea. It frustrates me.
0: <laughs> For sure. And, and I, I feel it very slowly changing. It's like the little engine that could up the hill of progress. Yes,
1: I think we definitely see more and more heterosexual couples splitting domestic responsibilities
0: yes and it's not just oh now you get daddy time like you guys are gonna go on a special adventure it's do you want to make dinner with me Mm -hmm. son um like this is what we do Mm -hmm. we go and make dinner and and that's not a weird thing Mm -hmm. um or a special occasion Mm -hmm. um and i i think that that's really nice Um, And it it also comes from, it is not necessarily the man who is the sole breadwinner anymore. Because when that is the case, then the dad doesn't have as much time. Right. Obviously.
1: And obviously there is nothing wrong with traditional family where the dad mostly works and the mom mostly stays home and takes care of the kids and is a homemaker. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No just
0: when that is the only option. Right. When to do anything different is wrong, then that's where we have a problem.
1: Well, and and even and not so much it's it's I feel like today's because people are so focused on like right and wrong, it's more the subtle things of like this is just how it is. Right. Or all of the families that we know are like this. Yes. All of the people that we choose to interact with are like us mm-hmm. instead of making an effort to branch out and find people who think differently, operate differently, to expose our children to a wider range mm-hmm. of people because that's how they grow as humans.
0: Right. Uh This is wonderful. Um, (laughs) I'm just enjoying this. Slowly
1: moving from male nannying into feminism in general. Right. I approve. Yes.
0: (laughs) Which, let's transition into uh, how do you feel about the Manny title versus Male Nanny? Because a lot of articles felt very strongly, people that wrote the articles felt very strongly, the articles can't feel, uh, the people that wrote the articles felt very strongly one way or the other that Manny was either a really fun title or that it is the cause of all problems. Mm -hmm. One article (laughs) seemed to say.
1: (laughs) I definitely get where people are coming from who have a distaste for the term. It personally never occurred to me until you brought it up. Um, But I see how words have power. And when we create a term for something just because it is outside of our heteronormative society, our heteronormative way of thinking, Mm -hmm. um, it has a sort of negative connotation to it. You know, manny as opposed to nanny in the same way that we think of Gay marriage as opposed to marriage. Right. Um, These like qualifiers that have this connotation of being less than.
0: Right. By virtue of being just different.
1: <laughs> right. I see why people are upset by the terminology. Because words do have power. Yes. The qualifiers that we add to specific terms to sort of distance them from their actual meanings. Manny versus nanny. And gay marriage versus marriage. Right. They're kind of similar in that Manny is like a nanny, but he's male. Right. And gay marriage is like marriage, but it's a gay couple. Um, Comes with that connotation that it's less than. And so I totally understand why people are opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Personally, it has never bothered me. I have never even thought really thought twice about it until you brought it up (laughs) Hmm. um i use my the hashtag that i use on my instagram for all of my nannying posts is adventures of super manny to kind of like play on that pun um right so i think it's personal preference Mm -hmm. um and i think it's really more a matter of respect if you call someone a nanny and they say i would appreciate if you didn't use that term or if you just waited until they use the term Manny themselves in order to start calling them that. Or um, even
0: just opening up that conversation of of asking. Right. Of just saying, hey, do you – is it okay if I call you a Manny? And if that bothers you, then I totally won't.
1: Right, in the similar way that you would ask someone what their, pro, what their preferred pronouns are. Right. I have no problem with people calling me Manny. On the other side, I totally understand why people – do have an issue with that. Yeah. And that's totally valid. Yes, of mm-hmm. course.
0: I completely agree.
1: So on the topic of gender norms and how they're maybe not even necessarily enforced on adults as they are on children as well, mm-hmm. because start stardom young, I've been in several situations where the children that I watch have experienced clashing with... Social norm, social norms as far as their gender, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps I am very sensitive to it as a as I identify as a gay male. Right. For anyone who has not figured that out, so that's something that sits very strongly in me. There was one time where a little boy that I nanny was a year and a half, give mm-hmm. or take a month or two, and we were at the park. He was. Singing the opening Oz to the little mermaid. You know, the ah. Yeah. Mostly because that's really easy to sing because it's just Oz and there are no words to it. And he had a range of maybe 15 words that he could actually speak.
0: Right. And it gets stuck in your head.
1: Yeah. And it does. And this woman came up to him and said, you know why are you singing a princess song, you silly boy? It's for oh. a girl. And
0: heartbreaking. In
1: my mind, I was having all of these like flashbacks to all of the times in my childhood where I was doing things that were not boy things. Right. It was kind of a like come to moment of, wow, this this starts now. this right. Starts at a year and a half.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where we tell boys to do boy things and girls to do girl things. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, I was just like, oh, he loves that song, so he sings it, and he just sings it so
0: well. Uh Uh-huh, Kind of like
1: gave, (laughs) I mean, like, said it really nicely and then put daggers in my eyes, like, I dare you to try (laughs) me on this. (laughs) Um, And she's like, oh, good, kind of walked away. Yeah, I do my best to combat that as much as possible. There's another time where we were at Explored Much More on Southport oh. by that Dairy Queen. It's a great place.
0: I have never been there. It's
1: fantastic.
0: Hence for Chicago nannies. and mm-hmm. Much More.
1: Yes. In their basement area, they have a little theater section. It's got lights and costumes and everything. It's really great. Oh. Uh, one of the girls that I was watching... Put on a fireman costume. And of course, there are several more princess costumes and dress costumes, than there are quote unquote male costumes. There's a firefighter, a lab coat, a superhero cape or two, that's really it. Right. And so she was dressed up as a firefighter. And this other little boy who was there wanted the firefighter costume was complaining and crying about it. And he went to his um, either mom or nanny. I don't know who she was. And it baffled me because instead of saying, you know, just wait your turn. Right. You know, she went over to the little girl that I was watching and said, why don't you try on one of the princess dresses or, you know, the, the girl's costumes and let him wear one of the costumes that are made for boys. And before I even knew what was happening, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, I was like, I'm sorry, ma'am. It's your choice if you want to limit your child's imagination and role-playing to what you want him to imagine. But I don't put limits on her imagination. And if she wants to be a firefighter, she's going to be a firefighter. And he will have to wait his turn mm-hmm. until he puts that jacket on. And she kind of like huffed and walked away. It's this daily thing of this assumed these assumed behaviors and assumed ideas of what children like. I also remember talking to one of the moms at AND. There was a whole big spiel when Target announced that they were going to unify their toy aisles and right? not have a girl aisle and a boy aisle and categorize their toys in a different way. And I remember talking to the mom that I was working for at the time and she was like, she was like, I understand, but if your child is going to a birthday party of someone in their class and all you know about that child is if they're a boy or a girl, it's so easy to just go into a boy section or a girl section and pick out a toy. And, my response to that was just like, "Yeah, but that's so lazy."
0: Yes, that's what I was about to say, and I, I do understand parents have so much on their plate,
1: <laughs> right? However, and, you know, your child is one in a class of twenty-five kids,
0: and I, they could be invited to all of those birthdays. I hopefully totally they are.
1: Totally understand that. On the However, other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, um, not every girl likes. Elena of Avalor, or Sophia the First. And not every boy likes Thomas the Train. And some of them like the opposite of what they're, you know, what they're quote-unquote supposed to. So...
0: And what a wonderful, or uh, such a sad missed opportunity for a teaching moment of asking your child to tell you about that other child. Exactly. And to say, like, what do you see them playing with in class? And what do you see, uh, what do you think they like? Have they mentioned anything that mm-hmm. they
1: like? We talked to them? Or at least I feel every invitation to a birthday party that any of the kids that I nanny have gotten from school includes a phone number or an RSVP. Where you could simply call and say, hi, we're wondering what your child is into so that we can get an appropriate gift. And at that point, you even open up the conversation for the parents to say, please don't get us a toy. Get us a book instead. You know? (laughs) Yes. Which
0: is another great piece of advice. If you are not sure, a book
1: book is is
0: great and it can be about anything. But on this feminist kick, I recommend the Paper Bag Princess. Um,
1: I do. I it's fully agree.
0: Wonderful. I I give that book so often. If I go into a house, even of like relatives, and I see that their child does not own it, next Christmas or birthday they there get it.
1: There are also just so many books. I think is the author Eric Carl of uh, the Crashy Ladybug and the Hundred. Yeah,
0: I think it's Carl or Carlisle.
1: We'll look it up. We'll look it up. <laughs> um, almost all of his books are either about non-gendered animal characters, or I know there's one about like a male seahorse and how the male seahorse gives birth to the babies. But, but I think
0: also that's a great teaching moment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: But there are just there are so many books that are non-gender specific. Yep. That are also fun and engaging
0: and not TV show oriented. Right. Because that's also problematic, which we'll do an episode about television shows and the problems therein. But,
1: we should have a round table.
0: Oh my gosh, we will. <laughs> we have four mics. so Perfect. We can, we can do that at some point, but I, I completely agree. The
1: problems with Caillou. <laughs> uh,
0: Logan, my fiance, who was on the first episode, sends me memes about Caillou because he knows my feelings on them, or on Caillou. He sends me memes all the time. There was one about the election, and it's like we can't agree on anything, but we can, we can all agree, agree on we hate Caillou. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I believe I saw that one today. <laughs> it's great. I do like to make a point specifically with girls to talk to them not only about their appearance, but about their interests, yes, and what they like. You know. There's a
0: list on Pinterest. I know it's on Pinterest. I'm sure it's everywhere. But I think it's 99 questions that you can ask a little girl that has nothing to do with the way that they look.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I always ask, what do you like to do? You know. If
0: they're old enough, what books are you reading? That's the first thing I go to. mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up?
0: What's your favorite animal?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. If they're super small. What's your favorite animal?
0: Really, just think what you often ask little boys (laughs) and ask it to girls. True. Because that's a lot of what you ask little boys is Mm -hmm. what's your favorite animal? What's your favorite thing to do on a playground? Mm -hmm. What is it's a lot of favorites. Yeah. Because when they're little, that's That's all they know. Although one of the kids at iNanny, I tried to play that game to get to know him and it was all I love every color, I, which I love. That's so sweet. But it's like, this Doesn't is like, not helping me get to know you. What's um, your favorite game? I love every game.
1: <laughs> but I also try to low-key nip in the bud any sort of gender-specific talk, whether it be like, that's a boy thing, or that's a girl thing, that's a girl color. Um, one time I went into the classroom of a little girl that i was taking care of a few years back and i think it was like her first grade classroom and we were reading fancy nancy it was special reader mm-hmm. someone from each kid's family came in every week to read a story so i was reading fancy nancy and right in the middle one of the boys was like you're wearing a pink shirt <laughs> why are you wearing a pink shirt you're a boy and we stopped reading Fancy (laughs) Nancy and had a discussion with 20-something first graders about why boys can wear pink and girls can wear blue and any kid can wear any color that they want. And a
0: little girl can wear all black.
1: Exactly.
0: Because, yeah, on Heather's episode about Halloween costumes, she was talking about how she could not find, she was supposed to be designing a costume for a little girl mm-hmm. and she cannot find a black dress for The little, little girl girls. wants to be Cruella DeVille and she cannot find a black dress for because her.
1: Because once you get into black dress range, it's more about sex appeal than it is about exactly. being a
0: costume. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's not, they, do, they just don't make them for little girls, you know? You have to be like seven to earn your first little black dress. Yeah, come on. I hate that. Yeah. So yes, that's wonderful. What a wonderful teaching moment. And and I do think that's important. And I I know that parents and nannies of all backgrounds have so much on their plate. Childcare is hard. Leah and I talked about that in... It One is One of a, the first episodes.
1: It is a more than full-time job. And it I know is. a lot of different people don't appreciate it for what it is or don't recognize it for what it is, but it is an absolute full-time job. And I think anyone who can handle raising a child can handle any other job.
0: Yes. But also, even though I recognize that there's so much on everyone's plate that is in child care it is so important to take those opportunities of when you see a kid being told that they have to fit a certain mold mm-hmm. to take to stop what you're doing and have that talk with them right then because once those moments go by day after day year after year of trying to get to soccer practice on time or trying mm-hmm. to get to ballet on mm-hmm. time then it it becomes a habit and then it becomes the a personality trait um and and it is so important to to address those things when they happen and from a very early age
1: right and that goes beyond gender and identity that, you know, that goes into any sort of situation where people are telling children how they should behave when you can clearly understand that the children do not feel that way.
0: Right. And validating their Mm -hmm. feelings.
1: Exactly. And there's a way to do that without saying, you know, you can do whatever you want. Right. Obviously, there are consequences to your actions. But... As far as how you identify and what you identify with, it's important to let kids know that however they do see themselves is who they are.
0: Yes. And as a nanny, you are their protector from being shamed for any reason. Because that's when I really Mm -hmm. draw a line is when they are shamed. And adults, I don't think realize how easily and what a habit it is to shame children.
1: Absolutely, it's you know kind of like what I talked about with the little boy that I that I watch. Who there's this one woman who said, "Why are you singing a princess song, you silly? Mm-hmm. You know, like why don't you sing a boy song?" That in itself, I'm sure, was innocent. Mm-hmm. It's not like she's some woman who's out to enforce gender norms. But it is a point where she said something and before pointing out like, oh, you're such a good singer or, oh, I bet you love that song. She went straight to what was different about him and why, you know, why that was not okay. Right. Which is something I think all adults need to be very mindful of when we talk to children. hmm Because children can't be their full selves if we stifle that if we don't allow them to be if we shame them Mm -hmm. and that's totally different from being a helicopter parent or a helicopter nanny and shielding your children from everything
0: right yes
1: but teaching them that in those moments they are more valid than whatever the world will throw at them
0: right yes is important Mm -hmm. i completely agree I completely agree, and yes, just talking to them about what happened, and and of course, depending on the age, um, how deep you get into that conversation.
1: Obviously, talk to them at a level that they are able to understand.
0: Um, but yes, and and as they get older, I the little girls that I am with just one day a week now because I love them so much mm-hmm. and I can't ever let them go. Um, they. I, I have such fun conversations with them now because I have been with them for four years and we have been having these talks. And so we have this vocabulary built up to talk about real important issues. And I also have spent much time talking to their parents about how they feel so that I know that I am within my rights, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm doing and saying things that their parents also support. Right. Um, but, but yes, what what a fun way to help make better citizens of the world. Right. You know?
1: The future of our world. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well wonderful. Is there I'm I'm sure I mean we can talk forever. Oh, I
1: could talk on, you know, end about feminism and gender roles and especially childcare because that's what i've been focused on for so long now. Right. Um I believe those are major, the major points.
0: Great. Um we can have Manny part 2. Yeah. <laughs> we'll check back in. Um but yeah, i just i i so appreciate you talking about this cuz i do think that one of the first steps and one of the reasons that i wanted this podcast is to have this communication and this community of inclusiveness and also, you know, within the realm of nannying and child care, mm-hmm. but of of talking to all different backgrounds. Like you right. were saying, exposing children to all those different backgrounds begins with exposing ourselves to all of these different backgrounds and if you are scared of a certain area, if you aren't open to a male nanny, like if that's a breaking point for you. um,
1: You need to ask yourself why.
0: Yes, you need to ask yourself why uh, and examine that because working from a place of fear and childcare is very dangerous, I think. Oh, absolutely. And, And I... I think confronting our fears as parents and nannies and child care providers um, is is a very important step in giving children the best care. Um, so if you are very against male nannies, I do ask you to please look at why um, and and look at what our culture what is our culture putting on uh why you feel that way and what your actual experiences are Mm -hmm. um because i admire your work with the children that you work with so much i really do and i i've from our play dates I've used techniques that I've seen you do, and things like that. Oh goodness! (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, we always learn from Uh, others that are are that do things well, Mm -hmm. Um, and that is the beauty of including uh, people from different backgrounds. Because then you are exposed to new techniques and new ways of doing things, right? Um, And so I, but yes, I do. I admire how you work with children so much, and. And I can't, uh, I feel sad to think that you might, if one thing had been different, you might have not even been in those children's lives, you know, Um, because of a prejudice. And so, uh, and they are so lucky to to have you, you in their lives. And so I just... That's my soapbox. I will step down now. <laughs> but I am, it's my podcast. I'm going to stand up here a little bit longer. <laughs> I can get on a soapbox whenever I want. Um, wonderful. Well, uh, you look great. Thanks. On your soapbox. Um, now we transition into a story time or quote. or. Oh.
1: <laughs> okay. This morning. <laughs> um Whoa. I'm currently taking care of a five-year-old little girl and a two-year-old little girl. The same girl set. I'm covering for Taryn right now. Right. Um, and so, the younger girl woke up first this morning, and has no volume control. <laughs> Talks at one volume the whole time. She goes, and it's loud. And it's loud. And she goes. Parker, I want cereal. I was like, okay, can you can you talk with an inside voice? Your sister is still sleeping, and we want to make sure that she gets, you know, the sleep that she needs because she's got a big day today. She's gotta go to school and all this other stuff. And she 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 leans in, she whispers, she goes, Parker. I was like, Yes. She goes, I want cereal.
0: She almost got it. It's like equally as loud. I was like,
1: (laughs) "Mm." we were almost there.
0: So you know how to whisper.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I know you know.
0: Yep. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here, Parker. That was wonderful. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it very, very much. And uh, thank you for listening. Yes, everyone. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. The Chronicles of Narnia is produced by Martha Reddick and Logan Nielsen. Artwork and logo by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Narnia and on Twitter at Narnia Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnarnia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.